Might as well be in the corner for this one. Fuck it. Whatever. Whatever, man. This is what we gotta do. Because I'm running behind. Dude, I didn't even know that I forgot to do this until it's Friday. And my brain goes, oh, cool. A podcast came out today. Awesome. Go me. Then I realized that I never posted it because... I suck sometimes, and this is what we're doing here, we're trying not to do this, we're trying not to suck as much, but guess what, we're all not perfect, so wipe up your tears, throw your excuses in the trash can after you wipe your ass with it, and let's get on with the day. So, guess what, Joshua Jarman, finally, dude, I, I, we say finally, but it was like six months ago, what do you mean the charge the battery pack, oh, you son of a bitch, okay, hold please. Alright, and we're back after we get the camera charged and ready to go. So, Josh, 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 This is why you need to slow down, take a deep breath, and come at it again. So, I think we figured out it only been like nine to six months, something like that, since he was last on the episode. But, you know, it feels like forever when you don't see your friend for a hot minute. And so, I was excited to get him back in here. Um... And we first talked off about the whole, like, cancel culture thing, and you just can't say shit to anyone because they're all just a bunch of crybabies now. Obviously not all of you. God, God damn it. Of course not all of you. Sometimes you're crying, sometimes you're not crying, but as a culture in the whole right now, suck it up. Seriously. Or unless you're Al Gore. Cereal, okay? Because some of them are out there chasing down man bear pigs. Off subject again. Killing it with this intro. <laughs> ah. So I'm jacked up because I was about to go to the gym when I finally remembered that I didn't do this. You know what? I'm not apologizing. This is who I am. Okay? This is me. I'm energized. I'm excited. It's a fun episode because then we obviously go and we talked more about like the spiritual realm. And then I think I brought him up about what he's super passionate about, which is obviously the whole fucking point of this whole entire podcast. It's like what people are passionate about so that we can get more perspectives and stop being so stupid and close-minded. And it's great. All right, we go on all the rabbit holes like we usually do. We have new twists to throw in there. We talk a lot about like demons and Aleister Crowley and going to different realms and like seeing spirits in the forest and obviously in the beginning we're talking a lot about how do you communicate in the new society especially when you're a performer and all this other stuff you know it's good it's a lot of fun easily one of the longest that we do because we can literally talk for like hours and hours and we lose track of time so easily so i hope you enjoy because i definitely did joshua jarman everybody Oh yeah, this episode is brought to you by, you guessed it, Oak Road Brewery. Oh gee whiz, Satan. Why am I so unhappy? Jim. It's just like I said, Jimmy Jim. It's like I said. Just stop sucking so much. Because you suck, Jimmy. Yeah, Definitely. it's hard to get him pregnant. It is, because like you have, the dog has to be... Well, you, you prefer the dog to be turned on. Right. Or like... Uh, 
consenting of said sex. <laughs> Please sign here. Yeah, but right. you don't have that opportunity every time. And so there are a lot of situations. If you want to fuck with anything, please, God, don't feel feel free because you are actually you sure. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, I, I don't, see you got everything pretty well flat. Yeah, straight up and this down. This is usually how I do things because that way nothing is fucked up. <laughs> so I believe you're two, and I'm. So what are you doing? What all, was that? So all I did was, and I'm, I wasn't talking while I did it, so I'm not sure if it'll work. But I'm trying to shape my vocal a little bit because. Mine carries well with a little bit of bass, and yours does too, but you have a little more treble in your voice. Okay. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so anyway. All right. Just kind of... Get, get the nice vocals going on. Yeah. Sometimes there. I just... You grab the knob and give a little give a little bump, see how she do. I'm just going to take a picture of this. <laughs> it ain't even changed very much from what you had. Yeah, but it changed, it's, and that's the important yeah, part. I got you, I got you. I'm not going to learn if I don't like continue to fuck with i'm going flat every time it's gonna be flat every time well you know when i when i did uh the wings weekly show i would send off the final version which took that was the extra reason i couldn't just post it and it took time sent it to john baldwin and he would actually master the overall track and after a while he had like a parameter set up so that when i would send him the episode he just put it in the software and it'd be done he wouldn't have to like change mm. anything he knew what my voice needed and um but anyway, it gave it that sort of sparkly, well-rounded, big sound at the end, like you'd hear in like Joe Rogan podcast, where it sounds right. very well produced, and you know everybody's got a clear voice, even if they're like over here, which is um, amazing. Well, their mics—they also use the SM7Bs or how uh, much is that? Three forty-nine. Okay. And he has a lot of them. Yeah, it's worth getting one, man. To be honest with you, and it would come in handy. I would say that mic is totally good for what you need, but, I figure, but it's also not mine. Right, but if you were to purchase one, the SM7, SM7B, I think it is, the black one that kind of like protrudes. Everyone uses? Everyone uses it. It hides your cable. It's a handsome-looking mic on, on camera. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the way to go. It really is. It's becoming the industry standard for in a talk show or a studio, uh, whereas the, uh, what is it, the uh, SM47, SM57 are the stage standards. Hmm. So... Anyway, $349 is intimidating, but once you got it, you're like, this is a bee's knees. And then you realize you have to spend an additional 80 bucks on a uh, a line capacitor or like a preamp to oh, make it sound. For each one? Yeah, to make it sound sparkly. Sparkly, uh, like you say, the way you say that. Because it's not the term that I would apply to. No, but it's true. Like uh, right audio. now, this audio sounds good, but it also sounds a little bit like, I don't know how to, how to describe it. Like the, the mid of my vocal sounds like it's got a little cap on it. Fair but, enough. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's just, it's funny to listen to producers talk about what they're doing because they use like, like, Ooh. oh, this is a juicy sound. They're like, nothing is <laughs> fucking juicy about this. What are you talking about? And they're like, no, it's there. You hear that like, like, <laughs> what? Yeah, it's funny, man. Dude, yeah. editing audio has been, aside from like screen printing, mm -hmm. which that was the hardest thing I've ever had to like learn how to do on my own basically i didn't have anyone like show me exactly what to do i just i had a lot of people that gave me advice on it and it was basically just failing for a year and a half and i'm still fucking failing right uh but audio is it's probably still the hardest it is so difficult because for me it's like i don't especially when i'm sitting here tinkering with shit i'm like i don't know if it sounds better or worse than what i just was fucking with i have no idea sometimes well in in at a certain point like there are rules and parameters with audio production and those are the differences between someone who went to school and myself, right? Aside from understanding the hardware, 
um, it's kind of learning to develop the ear for the different part. Like when I was like, oh, the mid sounds like, what do you mean the mid? How can mm-hmm. you hear the highs from the mid from the, you know, most people can't listen to a song and tell the bass from the guitar. So until you can develop an ear for not only the bass from the guitar, then you can go to the bass and go, all right, there's a low end, a mid end, and a high end in that bass tone. And then you get from each, in the low end, there's a frequency band. In the mid uh, oh, mid yeah. end, there's a frequency band. So uh, people who go to school are able to like, maybe go to school and have an ear for it naturally, are able to just listen to something and go, oh, okay, you need to come down at this hertz level so that that frequency is a little sharp and you're like okay <laughs> they'll have like a 92 band eq which has a, just a bunch of sliders Insane. and they're like shh, shh, or like and it moves and they're like that's what it needed and like i believe you like, dude 10 bands is too much for me to figure out people tell me all the time they're like man you're so professional we love having you as a sound guy every time we look at you you're over there and you're you're turning some knobs <laughs> and stuff and i'm like you know it's my honor my pleasure to do everything i can for you and then i walk off going dude i don't know what the fuck i'm doing but me turning the knobs is enough for them to feel like i give a shit and i'm like all i'm doing is like oh no that wouldn't go down down did that actually change anything probably not was that just me did you hear that? I love it. Oh, it's like you just make a movie, like scanning the crowd. Yeah. Everyone still seems happy. If, if I had dog ears at a show I'm running sound for, everyone would realize how uncomfortable I am. Like I'd be trying to socialize and all of a sudden my ears would go, I got to go. <laughs> like something's <laughs> off. There's like a feedback. You didn't hear that? Like, no. Nah. It's like the 100K oh, parameter. God, like great. I got to go. It's absolutely good. It also sounds like a complete nightmare to me. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It's just the things that you guys, you got to get used to. And then they're like, here's your 50 bucks. And I'm like, thanks. Oh. Now I'm just <laughs> running sound. And, and you know, there are a lot of sound guys in town since we're on that topic that could care less, man. Like, I swear they get there and they're like, all right, PBR for me. They hit on and then just go, okay, fuck you. And then that's it. And like, you don't see them at the board the rest of the night. I'm like, hate that. what's going on, dude? And it's a shame, too, because those people get the same jobs a lot of times that you'll get. And it's not even based upon skill at that point. It's just based upon, like, fucking putting their face in front of you. And then, like, okay, cool. Now everyone thinks that's what this is supposed to sound like. Right. So they're not going to give me a better, like, more money or give me more opportunities, even though I'm actually, like, actively trying to make a better sound. So it comes down to, like, you having your own set of, like, like morals and hoping that eventually it's going to pay out. Right. And, and knowing in my own tolerances, like okay, I'm moving slower or my gear is moving slower because I'm learning these things. I don't need 50 speakers if I don't know how to work five, right? Right. <clears throat> but the next guy gets paid more, even if he's not very mindful of the sound because he's got 50 speakers. He can show up and he's got a huge sound. It might sound like you're stuck in the mud the whole time, but it's it's a big sound. And there are a lot of guys, especially in rock and punk around here, who deliver an enormous sound, you know, feel it in your heart, kind of beat the, the bass and all, but the... The book was always said like this, and you can't understand a thing that's going on. And the guitar is always like, and it, I don't know. It matters. It oh, does matter, dude. Yeah. And sometimes volume ain't it. Like, dude, I texted you one time. I was at a show, and um, I was like, how do I tell this guy that his music is just it's just too loud? Uh, it was <laughs> uncomfortable. Like, it sounded okay outside. Yeah. And then you come inside, and you're like, oh, my God, I think my brain is crying. Well, and, and that's touchy-feely because, especially with musicians, they we get butt hurt pretty quick. Like, even at, like, a Ice House, okay, if I'm playing a restaurant, I'm killing it, sound very good, I'm, I'm comfortable, but a table thinks that I'm too loud, which is their opinion. They're allowed to have that. The manager does her job, his or her job, and tells me, 
you need to turn down. The first inclination when I hear you need to turn down is, well, how dare you? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I am the professional. But, you know, you got to quickly, like, let go of that so that uh, you could just appease them. And again, sometimes I grab a knob and go, is that better? And they're like, oh, perfect. And I'm like, I didn't fucking change anything. But all right, you know, uh, it's, it's funny. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's true also that I can't hear exactly what you hear out there. You know right. what I mean? Even yeah. if I have a monitor and I'm like, the volumes are good, you could be right there going, the volumes are not good. And I guess the delicate way to go about telling a musician that would be to start with a compliment, sort of like sweeten the pot, like, hey, man, your mix sounds really good. Yeah, your volumes between your vocal and your guitar, yeah. But the whole thing, I think, could come down a little bit. Like, keep them the same, but bring them down a little bit. And that way they're Ooh, like, nice. yeah, I'm fucking killing it, but it's just a little overshot. That's all right. Guys, so so hard to do because you don't want to like diss a person by any means but you want to give like positive feedback and as an artist as well not in the musical realm i don't handle criticism that well either but it's so important yeah well you have to at least a little bit and i don't handle criticism especially on a personal level very well like i like to think that i can but i typically (laughs) don't (laughs) i feel that and uh at a gig it's especially important that i do because in the moment i represent something in the flesh like you can't just like hey it's a little loud like well fuck you you need to get some fuck i got some (laughs) earplugs bitch clean them like no you know you can't come at it like that or you're gonna ruin everything so you gotta at least be not until you have like a really big following well, I mean, when and when you have that, if you're playing for like 10,000 people, you're not going to get one person come up to you and be like, it's too loud. If if so, like 9,000 people would be like, shut up. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what you get for being so close. Yeah. There's a, a guy on YouTube I follow called Dovi Das. Dovi Das moved to America to do live looping music, and it's pretty cool. Like, he uses loops, he plays his guitar, he'll loop it, then grab a bass or some keys or whatever and builds a big song. Hmm. <clears throat> and he's known for covering famous songs uh, inaccurately. Like... His motto is, I don't know any songs, but I've heard a bunch. So if you say, I want to hear Stairway to Heaven, I'm going to give you my interpretation of Stairway to Heaven, which is cool because he can upload them on YouTube and he never gets flagged for like copyrights and stuff. Right. It's very smart. Yeah. Plus, you never have to be exact. Well, he has a, uh, one of his viral videos. He's playing with a, a guy who's playing an upright bass, right? And they very quietly are just jamming a little bit in this restaurant, which is an outdoors, like under an awning kind of restaurant, like patio kind of thing. And this woman, man, and as soon as you see her, you're like, oh, my God, Karen's her middle name. Like, I hate to say it, but it is. You can tell, right? You can tell. So she approaches, and uh, it's true, man. It's true. So excited. She approaches. She goes, so it's really loud. Like, this is a restaurant. I came here to eat, not to to listen to this. And, of course, he's like a professional. He's like, I hear you. Yeah, we'll we'll make some accommodations. And he turns down a little bit. And the the guy who has an acoustic bass is not plugged into anything. He can't turn anything down. So Mm. he's just like, well. And they kind of nod their heads and roll their eyes. And they're like, yeah, we we made her happy. She takes like five steps away. They hit like three notes. And she stops and sticks her finger out and goes, you said that you would, that's still too. And she just kept being like that. Like, walk away and then turn around like, it's still too loud and he's sitting there getting pissed off like like we got hired here like the 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 people own the place hired me like i understand you're having a meal but you're actually sitting way over there so if you could just just let us do the thing right and he turns down to where you really couldn't even hear his electric guitar at all anymore even holy shit and not even and she's still it's still too loud like you're invading my meal and my moment and i'm really i'm trying to have a conversation with myself because i came here alone because i'm sad but (laughs) you're really messing up i can't hear myself think to myself and uh people really act like that and that video was like an extreme model of those people she tells the manager of course in karen style and the Mm. manager comes over and is like we know we hired you 
that this person is complaining and Shane leaving soon. So if you can just turn it down, that'd be great. And they're like, just want them to stay on your side at least. And they weren't playing like death metal. They're playing like chill, super chill music. You'd hear at a restaurant and, uh, you just can't please some people. And people think that they are, uh, King Dingling when they come into a, a restaurant or something like I am the customer I'm like well they got other things going on too I yeah. don't know if you know this but I hate that too and it's it's almost because like the in my opinion I feel like it's a lot to do with the social media and the aspect that they can just fucking say whatever they want and they can just put it up there and like a lot of times that it's nice when you can see other people's opinions and get different perspectives on things so we can think about things in a different light. But a lot of the times when it's situations like this, it's too entitled. I think so. And like if I would want to be the musician in a situation, I would want to ask everyone else. I'm like the consensus or consensus. Thank you. Good Lord. Consensus. <laughs> the consensus. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um, if 90 or fuck 70 percent at least if they're happy and they want the music at this level then at some point you're just gonna be like that amount of people are happier than you and that amount of people paying are probably going to come back like the one bitch person that's over there crying by themselves because their life is lonely and they need to like suffer everyone else's life suffer uh make other people suffer you know what i'm trying to say yeah i'm gonna suffer your life so hard (laughs) I'm just on a roll. That's all right, I'm just man. On a roll. Like their money isn't isn't that great. It's not worth it. Well, it's, it's yeah. You, it's it doesn't put you at that authority level. Like yeah. everyone here has some degree of money. It doesn't make you like the authority of the moment, and everyone else can just suck it up because you have enough right. money. Like and being the manager, if you're gonna let some piss in over there, just kind of like dictate how you run your business, that's just empowering them to be a shithead even more. Well, that's right, and they do that because they want to avoid the the confrontation that might reflect onto their their establishment in yeah. some way or another. I've also met some business owners who are just like, yeah, I'm not gonna take your shit. I mean, if you're unhappy, you can leave. This is a free <laughs> establishment, but. I don't know. Uh, it, I would go up and be like, can you turn it up, actually? Yeah, right. Fuck them. Well, I mean, I've had so many people tell me to turn it down, and I've had people tell the the help, I don't know, the help, that's not the right way to put it, the people, <laughs> the wait staff, hey, can you let him know, which is not their job at all, to turn down. And so they're like carrying, they're bussing all the tables, and they're like, hey, they want you to turn down, you're disturbing them. So usually the attempt that I make at a small restaurant, certain venues you never have to ask if it's too loud, but you just do your thing. Mm-hmm like Tin Roof and stuff like that. But if I'm playing at the Ice House, a good example of like a, a quite fine restaurant. Yeah. Quote, did I say quote, 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 quote? Um, <laughs> after the first couple songs, I'll, I'll kind of like kindly say, hey, if you have any issues with, you know, volumes or anything, please let me know. Don't hesitate to let me know. And I say that to everyone. That way, if you're that asshole who has to stand up right then and come over, everyone gets to know, like, that motherfucker is offended. So Dude, like let's that. watch out for that guy, right? But it's a kind thing to do. It lets everyone know, hey, I'm open to hearing your your feedback and most of the time after i say that people won't they won't say anything mm-hmm. like um and if you do have to come up and you tell me hey you're being way too loud you drop 10 bucks in my tip jar and we'll work it out i'll turn that bitch down that's so a quick. good point Dude, you Didn't do even it think give about me five that. bucks to shut the fuck up and i'll, I'll knock it down a decibel or two it's with like a sticky note it's like look i'm really not trying to diss you i'm just like just, just a little tt to turn it down even just a you, you bit. just Thank flash you so five much. bucks at me you go, hey you turn it down a little bit and throw it in there <laughs> Got you, bro. Yep. Damn, man. <laughs> Not off. I ain't turn it off for nobody. <laughs> turn it down. Yeah, five bucks. Three, ain't turn it off for nobody. Three decibels, five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you decide where you're at. <laughs> 
Next time, be prepared. Bring some earbuds. I'm telling settles. you, man. You pay me the whole hundred. Yeah. I'll pack up and go. <laughs> I think Ice House is a good example too. For those who like, have obviously never been to Ice House, it's um, it's kind of like a bricky, quaint. Yeah, it's it's really beautiful. Yeah. It, How's the sound in there? Does it bounce? Yes, it's it's kind of odd. And I've been there a couple years now, uh, off and on, about weekly. And so I've been able to. Um, kind of hone in on what the sound is but yeah it, it jumps a lot just like at a uh, coastal coffee roasters their warehouse is pretty boomy right mm-hmm. um, but in that case the the coffee beans help at the ice house excuse me uh if people are there it helps if no people are there it is kind of boomy and echoey mm-hmm. um but i play with that like breathy ambient style acoustic music usually and so it works like more reverb more echo more that kind of stuff i see and i am learning to be uh be louder by being quieter if that makes any sense turn my volumes down learn the room and if i hit the resonant points then i can like sing to the room and i'll get all the volume i need like it's almost perfect every time which is why i use a small amp at most shows because um, you start hooking up big speakers and you almost can't get quiet enough. Like they start it like from zero to one is like zero to 60. It's like, wow. <laughs> you're like, oh, it's already too loud. So um, I totally get that. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That's something I think you learn with experience, especially as somebody who didn't go to school and read books and learn about, like, I can't do the math of what decibels are best in what areas or what. I don't know all that stuff. So that's cool. Yeah, I don't either. That's right. It's like everything I've learned is pretty much self-taught. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the scientific ways to do anything. Yep. Like behind me, I have like an ass of lighting equipment. I see that. Is that what's in the black bag over here too? Yeah. Uh, there's three bags of lighting equipment. Whoa. Which is unnecessary. Yeah. I don't know how to use two lights. <laughs> I, was, I have 12 lights. <laughs> I was at Walmart the other day and I was contemplating buying a phone stand that had like a vanity light on it. And I was like, this is involved. <laughs> and you're sitting here, you got like boxes of lights. I'm like, I don't know how to live stream at all. Oh, dude, I had um, the studio did a Valentine's Day shoot and like video thing and everything with Okra because we had a parent with Pugin's Kitchen. Uh, they made like some fancy uh, cupcake thing it was absolutely delicious nice. and I just got these new lights in and you can change like the color and the feel and everything and I also have all the other lights that I got and then I had like old just fucking lights are they large lights or are they like par lights or um so I've got the like barn door square lights mm-hmm. they're kind of the LEDs and you can mm-hmm. kind of adjust the color temperature it's like a cloth front on them no no so those don't have a a, a softener like what the fuck they have real terms yeah, I think. yeah i got you but i do have some of those so you can open up and it projects and you can sure. put like a sheet in front so it diffuses it diffuser. diffuses yeah nailed boom it. nailed it yep yes um <laughs> we're on a roll today yeah so when i first started up i had like the cloth laid on the table i had like the fucking beers in there and it looked really nice and then i had the lights like fuck i had like four lights and i'm like and i watched a video of a guy that does product shots so i'm like i'm following this video right right and i have everything set up and i turn to my camera and i'm like dear god what the fuck am I filming here? It was just like obnoxious. And then I couldn't like move around because I had too much lighting. And then I was in a brewery. So within what I did is turned all the lights off and then went through my camera. I'm like, it's fucking bright enough already. So I didn't, all I ended up using was one light. So you just used only your light. You turned all the other lights off in the room. Uh, No, no, no. I used, well, they had like no lights on because it was 
like noon. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So I use the daylight coming in through the window. And then your control light. And then one control. And then, so I'm like, no, I have three bags of light. And so it, you it, would want, I'm no pro in this at all, in any way, but you would want multiple lights to avoid shadows. Yeah, specific shadows. And then you want to highlight different, uh, like, key points of a can. Like, so if I was going to do this can, you essentially would want to light it up. So you would have, like, a light behind it. So it kind of, like, creates, like, a nice backlight. So you create contrast behind it and then you would want over top so you can highlight the rim part and then you would have like multiple ones coming out here maybe so like get a spotlight the label and... oh yeah you can get fucking intense with it but you have to be able to adjust the light so that you don't have like hot spots going on at the same time and i didn't know how to do any of that so i'm like why do i have so many lights if i can barely even use two and so it's a good lesson in the same situation where i had to learn how to use a smaller amount before I jumped up to like the bigger stage. Is it true that uh, proper lighting can get you better quality out of a camera that you think is a lesser quality camera? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Lighting is everything. Lighting is everything. Okay. Um, especially because depending on if you have like a DSLR at least, and this is just self-taught. So like, if y'all want to shit on me, go for it. At least, <laughs> actually, if you shit on me in the podcast, oh shit. This is literally how I learn. Please help. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if you're gonna yell at me, that means you're, I'm just gonna learn what you're yelling at me for. So I'm super cool with this. Um, but if you'll be able to adjust your settings better, which will make your picture more crisp. Gotcha. If you have better lighting, because obviously lower light, the harder. With they... more lighting, your camera can do more with its internal. Yep. Doohickeys. Exactly. Gotcha. That makes sense. I know it's interesting. I had to like relearn how to take pictures and videos and shit. I mean, yeah, it makes a lot of difference. We're so used to just using your natural lighting, which is, I mean, it's convenient enough that we have a camera on our hip at all times, so we can yeah. take photos of things. But yeah, it's convenient enough, you know, for like three months <laughs> and then the newest one comes out and every picture you take looks like shit no doubt i've been trying to figure out what a good way to get lighting in the bus would be because the the ceiling is white and arched and metal so it's it's like sheen and you you get all kinds of cool like lighting uh anomalies i guess and uh, it's also dark for the most part like i have i think i need lighting in front of me more so because i've got blackout curtains on everything so mm -hmm. i can control the, the lack of lighting uh but anyway yeah having a light in front of me can help me get rid of my face always looks really red like when i'm doing a live feed and i just look like a beat like i can't <laughs> can't look like this people are gonna be concerned <laughs> like i don't know what to do you see if you can get something that you can control the color temperature so if you can make it a little bit more blue maybe that'll help so between white and blue that's yeah. how you can help Okay, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, uh, maybe even like a spotlight so that your your the rest of the color isn't as Yeah. Blue. It's like his face looks fine, but his eyes sure are red. Like <laughs> there's nothing we can do about that. That's there's no light for this. Like, <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. That was a good pausing point. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like this is the first time I had like a I didn't have something immediately that I was going to attack after what you just said. You didn't said. even hit me with a topic at all of the show. I mean, this was pretty... We never really do. That's not exactly true. You've had a couple times you're like, hey, man, I kind of want to pick your brain about this. And then this time you're just kind of like... Well, well, last time I learned we're done talking about certain things. <laughs> a 
last time you're like, we don't have to go there. We cannot talk about that. And I was like, okay, cool. I don't remember what that was. I think I started going down the technology bandwagon again. You're like, let me stop you there, bro, because we already know you can talk on that. So <laughs> like, I was like, all right, that's cool. Well, yeah. we, we did have that before I hit record. The only thing I really planned about talking about, God damn it, hold on, before get off rails, Ben always yells at me because he says I'm all over the place. No, whatever. Um, hey, everyone listening. <laughs> You're listening to, like I said, <laughs> and uh, for those watching, of course, um, I have Joshua Drummond in the studio, which if you haven't listened to, we have like three episodes together so yeah, far. Yeah, we're, we're three in now, So yeah. this will be four? Yep. All right. Nah. No? This is three. This is three? No. I am not good to my memory. <laughs> Dude, I don't <laughs> I obviously don't know. It's You're the one show. with an archive, bro. Son I don't of know. a bitch. Yeah. I'm not going to look at this. It's three or four, whatever. It doesn't yeah. matter. If you've listened to the old episodes, you know that we kind of go down a lot of rabbit holes. Yeah. Regardless if I have I'm a topic. I'm almost a veteran at it, really. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the Joshua Drummond does local music in the Somerville area. He's a good friend of mine. He obviously helps me get my shit together. <laughs> and uh, we pretty much just do this every time we hang out, even if there's no record button going on. Which is great, because I feel like I always look, walk away, I'm like, damn, he says so much shit. I just think it's funny when you're like, he helped me get my shit together when I literally admitted earlier that I'm faking it. Like, well, I'm just turn it, and it sounds okay. Yeah, but okay, it's but... better faking it than what I was doing. I got you, I got you. I mean, you got to be willing to fake it. That says something, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm not even willing to fake that. I'm just not even, that's not, not up my, my alley, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, the only thing I came, uh, I had that I wanted to talk about, I was just going to ask you a simple question. Mm. which is obviously what we're already doing. Mm. And the one thing that I want on this episode is uh, our show is to talk about what people are passionate about. Mm. So I was just going to ask you, Josh. Mm -mm. No. <laughs> Wait, what? No, no. Okay. <laughs> well, then I won't do it. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Right. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. You can ask, man. Do whatever. <laughs> do your thing. What are you passionate about? What am I passionate about? You know, lately, truly, my passion has been trying, or not even trying, doing my best to just find the things that are humorous and spicy about life. And I don't mean that in a sense of like, maybe not negatively spicy, but I mean, when you come from a, a point where you almost feel tired of the 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 daily thing, right? The non-spicy stuff? Dude, like finding humor in life now is just wonderful it's like even if it kind of comes off as being an asshole or brash or any of that stuff i'm like you know what dude <laughs> like you can fuck off i need the humor i have to have it in order to, to to get to the next day so lately my passion has just been to try to transmute the ugly or the things that seem ugly mm -hmm. uh, once again into something worthwhile so that i can like keep growing and not be a curmudgeon in the next five minutes because you know it's, it's easy yeah, it is. And and going into our thirties, I'm I'm realizing now we're probably at the halfway point. And that it, whatever that means to you, you got a lot more learning to do and a lot more time to either learn or be an asshole and stubborn. So Yeah, yeah definitely um, learning. Always. Yeah, I've been fighting grumpiness lately and so trying to turn that into something else has definitely been my passion. But uh the typical answer is just music. You know, music right. is my passion. I like that you didn't go with the typical answer. Yeah, you know, if I can conquer this uh, as my passion, then music will prosper as a result. Like music will get better if I'm able to do this and transmute the crap in life into this. Because otherwise, like when I'm too defeated, uh, I just don't make music. Mm -hmm. I don't do anything. Hundred percent. That, that doesn't work. So I need to, even if it's sad music, even if it's whatever blues or you know, I still need to have uh, find the humor. Mm -hmm. you know 
I have two things to attach to that. All right. The first one, have you ever made humor songs? Not so much like uh, like you're like doing stand-up comedy and you're just doing fucking strums, but like because there are <clears throat> musicians that have like specific like songs that are just fucking hilarious songs. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know some of them, and I am drawing a goddamn blank on this. Because well, I mean, there are people who have gotten gotten famous for doing uh, like comical songs. Like even Adam Sandler is a great uh, example. Great example. Yeah, he just made music that like sounds good, but it's obviously silly and and uh, filled with punchlines. Uh, what I like to do when it comes to incorporating humor into music would be. I like things that are humorous by definition. Like when you listen to the lyrics and you're like, oh my God, he's talking about bubblegum. Like that's what this is. But it sounds super serious and like involved and well-produced. And you're like, this is so beautiful. And you're crying. You don't know why. And it's just because your, gum, your gum's out of flavor. And, you know, you, I like that. Okay. I, yeah. you know, that, so, I like that. So there's humor there, but you really got to dive in to know you're being humorous. Because otherwise it just sounds like serious music. I dig that. <laughs> Yeah, it reminds me so much is like uh, when you're a kid and you go back to listen to old songs mm-hmm. and then you like actually pay attention to the lyrics. Yeah. A lot of the times it's very traumatizing. You're like, okay, God. <laughs> Especially with sing- 90s music. Yeah, we're singing about the awful things. Yeah. Just 90s the music. worst. And uh, so this is way better. You go back and listen like, wait, what? Yeah. Bubblegum? Yeah, this was literally about nothing the whole time. Zebra stripes? You mean the flavor disappears in 0.3 seconds? <laughs> Fuck, you're that, right. That is depressing. That's why you're in a minor key. I I'm, get it. I'm yeah. crying and face tattoos now. <laughs> I'll never... <laughs> Damn it, I can't take them off. No. <laughs> I'll never forget hearing, uh, was it Third Eye Blind or Goo Goo Dolls? One of them had a song uh, that was about methamphetamine use, and I never I never knew it. And like growing up, I'm like singing and bobbing my head to the song. Like, this sounds so fun and great. And I listen as an adult, I'm like, oh my God, he had a meth problem. Like he's talking about doing meth and everything was perfect until it wore off and then it was horrible. Like, oh my God. You know, how did this get on the radio? Who did this? So fucked up. Yeah. But I like that it's it's a thing. Yeah, because like he had something that he was passionate about and he wrote about it. And I like that. Well, and that that kind of brings me into thinking about different types of listeners when it comes to music you have some people who listen to the way it makes you feel you have some people who care so much about what the words mean mm-hmm. like i have people who come tell me what my songs are about sometimes and i'm like that's really cool and i'm willing to listen but i'm not going to barrage you with telling you like you're really far off and that's not at all what i was thinking it's more fun to let them like adapt their own meaning um but yeah i think there are different types of listeners i think people I like music like that because it appeals to several. You can get someone who's like, oh, I, I ignore the music. I just contemplate the lyrics. And they're like, okay, well, it's, it's about bubblegum. Like, I don't know which bubblegums you've had, but this one sucks. This oh, one lasts a long time. The losing of the flavor is relatable right. to my life. But if you're someone who absolutely can ignore lyrics and just listens to the sounds the words make and all that stuff, then you might have orchestrated something beautiful. And they're like, oh, my God, like, this was life-changing. I'm like, you're right. You'll never buy Double Bubble again. Like, you, yeah. this is, you now know. Like... I don't know. Music's cool. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. And fucking a double bubble. <laughs> the moment you said that, my jaws like started salivating. You're salivating, like, yeah, dude. It's intense flavor out of nowhere. What else does that? There's some like it might even be vinegar. Like kombucha does that too. Like when you Ooh, hold yeah. kombucha in your hand, you're like, I'm about to experience kombucha. Your whole jaw gets ready for it. It's like it's sour pre- beer. It prepares. Yeah. Yeah. It automatically prepares. You can feel it happening. <laughs> I'm over here just like. Drowning in my own saliva now. I didn't even you. know. You're welcome. I didn't... <laughs> <laughs>
That's a different kind of thirst trap. Oh, yeah. Oh, ooh. So the other thing we were talking about with finding humor in the world, it's, it's very hard to do these days because everyone's fucking up and roaring and pissed off about everything that everyone says. It's true. Which brings me to the Burger King thing. Have um, you? Not sure I know anything about the Burger King thing. <laughs> I love this. Tell me more. So much because it's such a great example of the fact that we've all lost a sense of humor. Like, fuck, no one can take a good joke anymore. Not only that, but we're so like so quick to jump to accusations that like immediately like and I am super guilty of this. I am a I'm a leaper of things before I, I settle down and think it through, which is my own thing that I'm working on. <laughs> but uh, Burger King tweeted on International Women's Day that women belong in the kitchen. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then immediately afterwards tweeted that I think it's like a really low percentage of their chefs in the restaurants are actually women and they're actively trying to find more female like gender So roles. they're like no 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 we we were just recruiting. Yeah, and it, it was like a whole they had like a whole almost like article tweet thing going on. But the first thing of that was women belong in the kitchen, and I thought that was hilarious. I think it's hilarious, too. I was careful not to say anything that could be quoted against me. But, yeah, I, I, I think it's funny. I think stereotypes are funny. I think you should be able to laugh at the discomforts of life because life is filled with those things. And if you decide that you need to be the savior of the world, it's going to be fucking heavy on your shoulders because <laughs> yeah. if you can't find humor, dude, this world is messed up. So... Yeah, dude, I 100%. do. I think we should be laughing more and laugh at the differences that are between us and the absurdities between us instead of trying to control those absurdities and make other people convinced that they don't actually believe those things or mm -hmm. what. Like, I don't need a babysitter, dude. I'm in my 30s now. Like, I my parents have given up on telling me what I need to hear and what I don't need to hear. Like, I don't need my government to do it. I don't need my friends uh. and, you know, I don't need other people to do it. I don't need my social media networks to do it. But it seems like some people do. So some people want that. They can't handle the information they intake. They can't handle the information they outtake. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, people get freaking butthurt because Burger King says women belong in the kitchen. Everyone belongs in the kitchen. We should all be cooking. It doesn't matter if you got a twat between your legs or a penis between your legs. It doesn't fucking matter. Make your own hamburger. <laughs> well, you can't say that because vegans. I just said it. They, <laughs> like, they heard no, me say it. No, yeah. I am attacked now. I need I a know. safe space. I don't eat meat. They didn't say only women belong in the kitchen, like unless they did. If they did, then maybe I don't think. Yeah, they correct did. me because that was kind of fucked up. But, uh, before I continue to shoot yeah. myself in the face, if I, they did say only women, I would say Burger King. You need to slow your roll. No, I 100% do not think they said only. So. Uh, to go along with what we we're saying here, and I know this yeah. is going to open a, a can of where it just said women. It just said women. So I was watching on, uh, again, Leon Lush. I hate to give him another promotion like he needs it. Leon Lush. Anyway. Hell yeah, give um, it to him, whatever. He's he's really great. He's a commentator. He finds things are going viral online. He jumps on the bandwagon. He's real personable. More power to you. Make your money, right? Okay. <clears throat> so he's watching these videos that are, uh, can you tell, wait, wait, guess the straight the straight guy guess the straight guy right so it's it's a bunch of homosexuals right and they have one random person who's a straight guy and the homosexuals has to have to try to guess and deduct which one is the straight guy and the reason Excellent. i bring this up is because he's commentating and he's like i love this it's a lot of fun everyone's having fun everyone's smiling he goes but if 
the tables were turned. If it was like guest of the gay guy, people would be in upro the uproar. You couldn't just post that video. So it was almost like they took the safe train by saying guess the straight guy. Mm -hmm. Like uh, it's like almost like a sneaky way of taking a side or like playing it safe and taking a side. Does that make any sense at all? Hundred percent. Yeah. So uh, we watched this video and it is hilarious. It really is hilarious. And you get these people who are openly homosexual and they're trying to guess. They're they're asking people to be like say the word yes. Now say it like there are drag queens around you. <laughs> Yeah, it's, they're like, no, you're straight. No, you're gay. Like, it's just so entertaining to me. Uh, but we do. We have our own preference, and we. Uh, that was so much fun. We live in a world where you can say things when the coin is flipped a certain way that you can't say if the coin were flipped the other way. You get attacked. That's right, and it's strange because if you said, uh, I don't know, like a uh, uh, all men or men belong in the warehouse, right? Sure, maybe a lot of men work in warehouses, but that doesn't imply that women cannot work in a warehouse or mm -hmm. that men cannot be in a kitchen. You can say these things are stereotypical or men belong in an automotive shop. Like, okay, it's true that most often men are in the automotive shop, but it is untrue that no women are ever found in the right. automotive shop. So for you to get butt hurt about the statement, men belong in an automotive shop, means you have your own insecurities because you can't argue that men, in fact can be found in an automotive shop or that women mm -hmm. can in fact be found in kitchens. Doesn't mean men can't be found in kitchens. Right. I don't 100%, know. Yeah. I think words are important. People search for things to be upset about because it's like, it, it's the culture now is everyone like wants to attack everyone for Cancel. not being um, exactly. Mm. Yeah. It, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Which I had like a fucking video where I was trying to rant about this and I was just could not get my shit together. Apparently. But it's the same thing. Like, everyone's so... And I feel it all the time. Like, there are videos previous, and you can go back and listen to where I'm like, I don't know what I want to say in this situation because <laughs> I don't fucking want to be attacked. But yep. now the point is like, you're going to get attacked for anything. Right. Just fucking anything. You either have the balls to speak or you don't. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're just you get swarms of people that are trying to protect everyone else that actually is going around doing more damage to people that are trying just to say something. And you could tell when someone is trying to be, like, attacking or like, accusatory and deserves to be shut down. Like, no, that's fucked up. You can't just go say that shit. Like, uh, no. Or, or sometimes they're like... You literally tried to misinterpret what they said. You sure. went out of your way just so you could feel all high and mighty because you're protecting the underdog. But the underdog right. doesn't probably give a shit. The, under, the underdog didn't say a word. Exactly. And you're like representing the underdog for things he doesn't need representing for. He or she it doesn't need representing for. See, yeah. we, we confuse uh, uh, observations, which are truths based on you know what you see and how you depict it, and, and opinions. Like if I say that tree is brown and green and then you say why has it got to be brown and green then i go because mm -hmm. it's an observation like i'm not saying that i'm not like a treeist i'm not saying that that one is brown <laughs> and green like it is quite literally physically and, and observably brown and green like i'm not being a treeist tree yeah i'm not i'm not hating <laughs> on the tree i'm just saying observantly that this is what it is but we live in a time where somehow those those lines and boundaries have been obscured where yeah. now it's easily confused like oh you're being hateful like I'm, I'm actually not being hateful and being observant like the tree is brown and green it isn't like uh, and obviously this is a correlation to race in an obvious way but mm -hmm. but uh to anything like any difference of opinion or anything like that observance is one thing and is not a form of hate speech it's not it's really not but nope. if you are coming from an intent of hate like 
like I fucking hate brown trees or whatever, Bingo. then that's a treeist. Like you obviously are hateful towards brown trees. Like God, brown trees are the worst. You know, they just fall short of green trees. And it's like, I don't know. That's something at least that I have felt in myself. And it keeps me from getting too emotionally involved in uh, those kinds of, uh, not even accusations, just conversations in general, mm-hmm. like getting into debates about these things because I don't feel heated about it. I feel like... That's good. I need to work on that. I get right. angry quickly. Yeah. And then I just make an ass out of myself. I think we get angry because we don't want to see anyone get hurt. Like, we don't want to, like, you shouldn't have the right to bully this person. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, physically or emotionally or linguistically, you shouldn't right. do that. But um, you can't have a strong stance on something if you're also the person that is just, like, right in the face screaming. Yeah. Even if you're trying. <laughs> Honestly, it's like one of those weird things, like, um, in a situation of like a war or whatever, if you're having to pick sides, oh god damn it, where am I going with this? Um, like a tribe mentality almost. If two tribes are fighting, each side is going to think they're the right one, and the other one is the is the wrong one. Right. They're each going to think they're good, and the other one's evil. And so, like, by screaming at each other and attacking that situation, you're not getting anything done. You define the Nothing other as the enemy, and so they've automatically become. The, the evil one or the one who's lost like, yeah yeah exactly and it, so that's one of the things that I really need to work on is the fact that I just need to cool the fuck down and like talk about it and instead of jumping to accusations like oh hey you fucking you're excluding colorblind people talking about brown trees what yeah. about the gray ones that's right it's like no. you gotta reel it back in and remember actually this is, doesn't have to affect my moment at all oh yeah not at all but we want to be and I hate to say social justice warrior because that's such a weird term that's been coined on this, but we all want to change the world for the better. We want to have a part in making things greater for the generations to come. Uh, but there are certain mentalities that humans have within themselves that would have to be uprooted to begin with. You're not going to change someone's mind if they're already growing from that seed. Like you're not. Fair point. Yeah. I mean, it, it is something that would have to be done over generations and it would have to be done in subtle ways within ourselves. And I think we can sit and fight over sociality and social constructs and ideas and things like that. Um, but if we're not careful, some other entity or group of people uh, will be able to sway us over those generations uh, to do something different because they're being a lot more patient than mm-hmm. us who are yelling and screaming now. Uh, they're willing to influence you in subtle ways this 10 years, next 10 years, the next 10 years. So that way your kids, kids, kids think exactly how they want them to. And there is no they. I'm just to clarify, I'm not that guy. I don't, <laughs> I don't think there's a boardroom trying to like control the world. I just think they being others, if, if I'm smart enough to say the words, there are other humans smart enough to uh, uh, expedite them, to make those things actually right. come through it. You know, that's how I feel. So this is somewhat off subject, but not completely. Are you trying to tell me that you don't think the Illuminati is out there controlling everybody? I do not. So <laughs> I do believe in illuminated ones, and I do believe there are humans here who understand the th- constructs of reality in ways most average people will never contemplate. doesn't mean they can't know those things. I don't believe there are superhumans who know things that you can never know, but I think very skillfully over however amount of many years and amount of time we've been convinced not to learn things 
and convinced that we don't need certain knowledges. Mm-hmm. Some humans do have those knowledges and exploit them, knowing what they can do, bring power and things like that. I don't think there's an Illuminati. Don't think there's a boardroom of people who will have you sign your name and blood on a dotted line. You can have all the riches and money and power in the world. I do think there are spirits who work behind humans and can possess humans. And it sounds very like religious based but I, I believe it with my whole heart there are things we can't see they can influence us they change the way our words uh, are carried and our inflictions and that's when we begin to uh, I don't know change the world that way you can be rewarded spiritually for those things so the Illuminati is a, a regime of ghosts hmm. something you will never see you will never be able to blame you'll never be able to point at you'll never be able to stop it'll be here forever interesting yeah I so much want to believe in the mystical thing, so I, I like to keep my mind open to it. And yeah. I, I, I deem that mystical just because I don't have a better word. Spiritual, I think, has a weird ring to it, and people want to go with religion first. But I don't. I think it surpasses the realm of religion, which seems very man-made. Agreed. A religion is almost like taking spirituality, which is like an entire sea, and subdividing it into an ocean. Like, you know, arguably the the earth is filled with one enormous ocean, but mm-hmm. we've subdivided it for the sake of territories and things like that. So um, religion is the subdivision of that ocean. There's one ocean, there's spirituality. Some people don't even believe it exists. That, you know, they think things are very mundane and there's no underlying anything and there's no other world or... And that's God. fine. You can believe that. That's, I mean... That just seems so boring. People live and die that way and that's okay. You know, who am I to tell them any different, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying they're like a bad person for it. Just in my opinion, that just sounds very boring. Yeah. Life is way more fun if you're just staring into the woods. Like, I swear to God, if a gnome just walked out of that tree, I'm going to lose my shit. Yeah. And I'm going to stay here for three hours just to make sure I catch it. But the danger of spirituality is that you dedicate your life to staring at the tree and waiting on that gnome. And then he finally walks out. Then you tell your friends and no one believes you. Dude, speaking of that, <laughs> trying not to throw anyone under the bus right now which how often where did that term even come from what's the etymology of throwing someone underneath a bus (laughs) who hurt you yeah (laughs) who the fuck went around just like purposely like i'm gonna just not only gonna expose your dirty laundry there's another one but i'm gonna (laughs) immediately throw you in front of a bus so you get run over it's like hey remember that time you said that thing you said was truth yeah it was a lie (laughs) 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 yeah now i know the truth and everyone knows you deserve it (laughs) (laughs) oh my god um but I was talking to someone recently, and they know someone else. So it's like a, they know, they know, they know kind of situation. <laughs> right. And I have not met this person. And so I don't want to say names because... It doesn't matter anyway. Okay, you're exactly yeah. right. This person has been going to the same spot in the forest or some fucking forest. I don't actually know that part, so that's the point that doesn't matter. Anyway, for over a decade mm-hmm. and <clears throat> has seen and talked to and communicated with forest spirits i was supposed to be on silent sorry so forest spirits okay is that a text message that was yeah i should turn it down My oh bad. damn that was like that was a lot of shit what the heck did that say not like i'm upset by that my shit goes off all the time is everything okay yeah i've gotta do a bee removal in the morning oh you mean like like, a, like bees bees? Yeah, so I work with honeybees for a living. And what? Yeah, that's what I do every day. And what the fuck did that happen? It's, I've been working there now about, I don't know, nine months to a year. 
Shit. Yeah, so I work with honeybees. I'm the maintenance guy during the day. I actually work on Harley-Davidson's when we don't have business with bees to do, but we have a number of hives. And during the uh, summer months, we have upwards of 30 hives. Damn. And I specialize in being the guy in the bee suit who goes to uh, homes in the area that have an infestation of honeybees and they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So I safely vacuum them and remove them and rehome them into hives that we send to different places in the low country so that's cool actually i feel like did we talk about this last time maybe yeah God damn it. it is something i've been doing but uh yeah he just let me know he's like you gotta come in early tomorrow i gotta be removal so i was like whatever yeah because we definitely have had a podcast within the last nine months i want to uh and then we'll get back on our subject because it was a good one and i enjoy it but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i i really want to do uh a bee removal <laughs> i swear i put that on and it is the same text message too he sent it twice that's funny <laughs> I want to do a bee removal with a GoPro on my head because Dope. most people will never get that close to bees. And I, at some times, I'm quite literally covered in thousands and thousands of bees. Like, I think I told you this before, but I had so many bees on my hand, my right hand once, that I could not see my skin. And I, they were all buzzing together. You just had this like... Sound, like Holy shit. Dude, my hand vibrated. I've never felt anything like that in my life, man. So it was like a treat, a special treat. And I got honey, which is a special, special treat. That is wild. It is cool, man. But anyway, I'd like to do a, a GoPro video. If I do that, I'll let you know so you can check it out. Do you have a GoPro? Um, I do not. I have a faux pro, but it's kind of like a... If you need kinda, to borrow a GoPro, let me know. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't mind it, actually. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. If, yeah. yeah, if you remember, because I will 100% forget in three minutes. I'll do it, man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got five to seven minute memory still, so we're good. Nice. <laughs> Where were we at with the... Uh, we were talking about the, the implication of, of sociality. Like, yeah, so... Uh, actually, I was talking about the forest thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone goes in the forest. This guy has been going, or a person has been going to the same spot for like well over a decade and it's obviously very um i don't know what the term is um he doesn't put his existence he doesn't like leave a mark in the forest if Mm -hmm. you will he goes there and then makes sure that everything's the same way visits connects leaves yeah exactly and so like i've I've heard the stories and like the forest spirits and he can see them or they would fuck ever can see them and they try and take pictures but i can't like, I've never been able to, like, pay attention to it. But apparently the spirits are, like, contacting in the form of, like, different, like, uh, structures that are built that are not natural. Like, rocks being stacked up next to tents and, like, all this other mm-hmm. stuff. So it's very interesting for me to hear these things because it's kind of breaking the barrier upon, like, one's own interpretation of the world and the whole, like, uh, spirits that, are, that you were somewhat talking about kind of, like trying to interact because you can't explain that are you made to say like yeah that person is crazy and they just stacked up their rocks on themselves and then like there you go but at the same time like that's that's a long time and there's they're obviously not trying to like sell this information or do anything with it they are just passionate about talking to the spirits and like communicating with the spirits so everything they have is all based for themselves so at that point like there's no gain to being to making this shit up or whatever. It's- sure. Well, and, and I hear that story, and I, I do believe in spirits. I wouldn't say the physicality of spirits, even though I felt inclined to say that. I, I do believe in spirits, and I have experienced spirits. I've never been able to see them in front of me using my eyes, but I've been able to recognize them using my eyes. And I know that sounds so weird to say, but like, especially forest spirits, I've recognized forest spirits before by 
halos and glows around trees, almost like an aura. <laughs> people will say that you have an aura, like, oh, I can see your aura, and it's blue, or it's green, or whatever. And I remember once becoming acutely aware of the aura around a grouping of trees that stood out from my vantage point, maybe about a foot around the tree, and the light actually obscured. Like, I could see about a foot away from the edge of the tree where the light seemed to bend, and there would be an obscuration around it causing the mm -hmm. effect of an aura. And I could shake my head a hundred times and look at it and it would still remain. And it was only after I'd like Fuck, I zoned into uh, this thing. And so I could say that, that, that I was experiencing a little subtle spiritual essence of the tree. Uh, but to actually see like manifest a spirit see, around, like right. moving um, openly uh, would be... You, you've been accepted into another form of perception. Like, I'm not saying that couldn't happen because I don't believe it, it is an impossibility. I believe that if he had been going or he or she had been going for such a long time and had visited that point, there may have been a trust mm -hmm. uh, accumulated between the, the forest and this person, knowing his intention, knowing he doesn't have a camera out all the time. Uh, even though I do have thoughts on technology and spiritualism, because I do think they're going to eventually, if they haven't already, uh, technology is going to be the reason people in the mainstream believe in spiritualism. Technology is going to prove it for us. Oh, shit. I think so. That's my belief. Oh, we've got that after this, then. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be an extra <laughs> long podcast. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, the forest thing, man. So I've, I have recognized the uh, aura of trees before. Uh, and on like mushroom trips, I've, I've recognized the spirit of the trees, the spirit of the forest itself, which can give you a feeling of longing, uh, of loneliness. You can get this feeling of uh, loss. You can get mourning. All of these really, really intense vibes you begin to recognize. And I think those things are, are kind of proving your connection to that spirit, almost as if like, like I could sit in this room without you in it, and I wouldn't necessarily connect with any objects in here because they're all inanimate objects. Mm -hmm. But with you in the room, I can have some sort of a connection oh, that is a human connection, right? To have something similar to that in the woods when there are no other living beings, quote, other than like birds and crap, to have that with like trees or whatever, to me, proves, at least in a subtle way, um, hmm. that there are spirits that you're you're having that connection with, something... Um, I only know the Tibetan word for it, and it's Tralame. It means I see you and you see me. And only two... Terrifying. Only two perceptive beings can do that. You know, like I can sit with a rock for hours and there would be no Tralame because the rock, in theory, doesn't recognize me back. Right. But I can have a Tralame with a squirrel on a power line who I look at and he looks back at me as if to say, I know you're alive. And he says, I know you're alive. And then you go on with your thing. In Tibetan... There's a word for that called Tralame. We don't have a word for that in English. But I think we can have something similar with the trees. It's never going to be like, you know, the trees aren't going to say words to you and you understand them. If they do, um, more power to you. I don't, I don't know anything about that. But w you can recognize, though, their, their uh, perception, their being alive, mm -hmm. their, you know, motion and interaction with reality. So if there were spirits like imps and gnomes and things like that in the forest, which... Uh, for whatever reason, YouTube's been giving me some funny random videos of, like, this old man. He's got to be in his 60s or 70s, and he is dedicating the end of his life to capturing gnomes on camera. Like, he's oh, going shit. out in the middle of the woods, and he's just this sweet, bearded, overgrown-looking old man. He's just like, well, they come out when, when it's really calm, 
So I'm going to set this camera here, and this video is going to be like four hours long, and, and you'll see them just kind of, they'll come out and they'll check me out. And there are some weird things. You're like, did this old man really sit in the woods for four hours? And then at one point you see like a little imp or a gnome, like you see it. And you're like, did he really do a four-hour video to fake this for half a second? What? Anyway, I'm not saying I believe nor disbelieve that, but I would say that YouTube has been offering me these videos I didn't know existed I feel recently. Like that's what they tell me now. Yeah, we're, we're going to look at it. Yeah, it, it knows. technology listening to that's us. That's right. <laughs> but for all I know, those spirits can inhabit teeny tiny little bodies, and we can experience those things. Maybe that's why those stories even exist, and the fact they exist at all and have lasted centuries should say something. I don't know. I want it so bad. Yeah, I don't know enough I about it. it. I don't know. God. It, it, I don't. Do you need to pee? <laughs> no, but you don't need my permission if you do. <laughs> oh, no, I don't. You just finished your beer before I did. And I've always found out that the guests will never tell me when they have to pee. Do you need to pee? Like, I appreciate you checking. <laughs> <laughs> what if you're just like rocking back and forth with excitement? I'm like, this is what I do when I pee. Yes. <laughs> well, before I have to pee, not yes! as I pee. <laughs> I'm just in the bathroom just shaking around like, this is a good time. What the fuck's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I want that to happen so bad. And I feel like... I don't know if I would be super pissed off um, if I got that welcome and I couldn't share it with people, but I don't think I would be. I think I would just be so privileged, like like honored to be welcome into that kind of thing. But I don't know if I could go back to the same spot for well over a decade. Especially if you hadn't seen anything yet. By myself. I don't know how long this person has been seeing or think that they saw things initially that sparked the interest um i don't i don't know that much could you, could you imagine i hate to interrupt you i'm sorry i wasn't going anywhere could you imagine you go in there every day for a couple of years and you're like i know that there are gnomes here and i'll see them right and then one day you see a gnome and you're like oh my god you know i have the satisfaction i know it's real now i can come back tomorrow with this this glee and this excitement right and you come back the next few days and you see that gnome and he shows himself and then after a couple of weeks you go there and a million gnomes come out and they tie you down to the earth <laughs> and you're like no and they all trapped and you're like you didn't tell anybody you're trapped now <laughs> like why did i dedicate my time to this i thought they were friendly i oh dude that is an aspect that i never considered the fact that it might be a reason they're like hyper intelligent they're like every day at 3 p.m this motherfucker comes here we're about to get him this is food for five years we're like we have the means to keep you alive yeah this is why no one's talked about gnomes all these years they've been eaten like all right uh, shit that's a that's a good point i don't actually believe that that i think gnomes are friendly i like to believe they're sweet they have those hats fair enough but there has to be (laughs) something right <clears throat> I mean, you don't know. Uh, uh, we don't know. That's... What about cryptics? No, I'm not sure what that means. Uh, cryptids. <clears throat> sorry. Tids? I think like Bigfoot. Oh, and, oh, okay. And, uh, yeah. Nessie. Yeah, so things like that that have been rumored forever that just still have not been proven. Like, Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I am a firm believer that if something stands the test of time, there must be some credence to it. And mm-hmm. and that makes me want to give some credence to something like Bigfoot. And All it makes it. me want to give me some credence to something like Loch Ness. Because I could lie to you today, and that lie might last a year. But really, if it's a faulty lie, it ain't going to last decades. Like, yep. you, you know? And so f- with that logic in mind, it maybe has to be some credit Hmm. to these claims but that's why the show aliens is so popular because they're just like Mm -hmm. attaching 
weird correlations to, and then the aliens are here. And that's why all this weird stuff happened. But really, I feel like the best part of that kind of show is it's displaying and showing just like weird things that are unexplained that happen on Earth. And there are so many unexplained weird things that happen on this Earth. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And I mean crazy in the best way possible. Like, I want to believe in all this weird stuff so much that I literally do sometimes just like sit in the forest and stare around. Well, what if the belief in it in itself is enough to make it real like i can see that yeah like what if not believing in something means you'll never see it like if you never believe in ufos you'll never see one in the sky and i can't say that with certainty because i mean obviously you're supposed to see something you'll see something but um, there's this theory and i was going to go with another example but i'll go with this one you've heard of like uh, close encounters of the first kind close mm-hmm. encounters of the second kind right so there's something called ce5 close encounters of the fifth kind and those kind the, the different kinds have to do with like the, the distance you are from that entity yeah. so so the close encounters of the first kind would mean in the flesh you have met a an alien like there are ets in your room and you're like holy fuck here's an et right? So close encounters of the second kind and i may be wrong about this but Close Encounters of the Second Kind might, might be seeing a UFO, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, that, that could be aliens, it could be humans, but there's something unidentified there. Um, close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, somewhere down the line, has to do with you can use your intent to communicate to a being far off that they might come closer. So if you and me and three other friends were in the middle of a desert, we all absolutely 100% wanted to see a UFO, and we were all going with our cameras, we're here, we're ready for you, show yourselves, right? And we're like talking to the nothingness that we assume is UFOs, Mm -hmm. that the likelihood of seeing one would be far greater than if we all were there and three of us were going, nah, this is some bullshit. We're never going to see anything. It doesn't matter how the other two feel, that they're like, come on, just show us. The doubt of those three would outweigh and would keep all five of us from perceiving the thing perhaps right and so if that's the case what if we just need the right uh, accumulation of people asking for bigfoot or the right accumulation of people asking to see nessie or does it work that way does it not work that way have there not been enough people that's like, somewhat of a the version of manifestation it's true yeah yeah you know i believe the mind is dancing with reality all the time. Not to say that I'm a god and I've created your reality because I know that's foolish. Mm-hmm. But that my mind somehow helps to narrate uh, the story to me. It helps to manifest the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it is that I'm working or learning on. Um, and so again, if that if, if that's true, then my disbelief in aliens could keep me from seeing aliens. Mm-hmm. If my, my belief in aliens could help me to experience something like that or phenomena, spiritualism, uh, which is why people who are completely against spiritualism at all will probably not have a spiritual experience until they're uh, broken down to a point in which they allow that to happen to themselves. Um, and it might be why someone who's religious has them often. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I'm going off on a tangent here, but I'm still talking. It makes sense, I guess. It still makes sense to me. Um, but, and obviously, I like tangents. So, so uh, yeah, where I was going with that is, um, can you convince enough people to believe something is real so that it does become manifest? If 40 years ago, everyone was like, extraterrestrials are probably not real. And you have 2% of people who are like, they probably are. You know, there's this time I saw this thing and everybody else is like, mm, probably not real, right? 
Fast forward 40 years, and now we have a great percentage, 80%, 75% of people go, UFOs are probably real. Mm-hmm. And then the smaller percentage is the one saying, ah, they're probably not real. I've never seen it. I don't believe it. If you can, over generations, convince 95% of minds who are perceiving reality to think that there are aliens, extraterrestrials, is it possible uh, for them then to show themselves? You've unlocked the part of your brain which was prohibiting you from experiencing mm-hmm. that spiritual thing. You've put up your own boundary over generations. You knock that boundary down, and then all of a sudden you can perceive something that was either already there uh, or who then could visit. Like, what if the only people who could see Bigfoot are the people carrying a certain mentality, thinking a certain way? Mm-hmm. doesn't mean Bigfoot didn't exist or did exist. It just means that without that mentality, it would be impossible to perceive Bigfoot. Dude, I love that. Yeah. You can't see the aura of the trees unless you are mentally in a place to see the aura of the trees. Otherwise, it just looks like fucking trees. And yeah. the contrast is what it is. Like, 100%. Dude, I listened to a whole book series, um, <clears throat> and it was based upon like the, the, the first like frontier movement of like the Americas mm-hmm. and the battles between the pilgrims and Native Americans. And... Uh, they had, oh God, I don't know how they called it. Some, obviously, the religious people called it witchcraft and all that stuff, but they called it something else. And this kid was the seventh son of a seventh son. Mm-hmm. And so you have that whole thing that going around, and he could, like, see things and, like, communicate. And he would just, he just had, oh, they called him knacks. He had a knack for finding things. Okay. And, like, so, like, if you needed to cut something, like, a tree down or whatever... He would, like, be able to go up, and he would, like, touch the tree or whatever, and then he would know that exact spot. It was like, yeah, if you hit it here, the tree's just going to fall over this perfect direction. That way no okay. one else is messed up or damaged. Right. And so in the story, it's called Alvin Maker or something like that. It's, like, a really old 70s book. Um, it's kind of slow. Anyway, and uh, there's a Native American that is, like, super pissed off about the fact that this kid <laughs> has this ability. And he lives... Just like they kind of do, he gets kidnapped or whatever. So you have like this whole like weird upbringing. So he's not like brought up. And they talk about the new generation of the humans that are living on the area that are going so far towards technology that they are losing the ability to see and interpret and communicate with the earth that is trying to tell them what they need. And they're like, no, we're just going to build a fucking steel house. And so they're like, you're purposely cutting off the communication that was supposed to be there in the very beginning. And that's kind of what I feel like this is feels like. So we're, you have to to have like a whole like consciousness kind of like converge back to that would be wild, especially if you can make it happen in the, in the age that we are now with the technology would be very interesting. Okay, so I have to go on this tangent because you, you brought me full circle. I'm excited. Yes. All right. <laughs> so that being said, if hold on, where to go? Don't you go nowhere? I need your thoughts. You <laughs> come back. All right. So if gradually, like say there was like the you know, Native American people, we tend to think as highly spiritual people. We think of them dancing and singing and doing music that was invoking spirits and doing things like that. Which is is it not what you think of when you think of Native Americans? I would say yes and no, but I also feel like they have plenty of people that didn't give a shit. Sure. I think in the specific tribes, you just you still had the group of people that were more spiritual than the other ones. Well, perhaps they were more in touch with spirituality than we generally are now. Yeah, okay. I think they're way more open to it. Right. 100%. So 
I mentioned earlier that word trolleme, which means I see you and you see me, right? Say humans naturally have this ability to recognize life's recognition. You can recognize in another living being that it recognizes you. There's this thing, this, this, uh, this dance or ballet between the two. Say that is a naturally occurring connection that we have. Say to expound upon that, you have a connection with a female who you, you take on as your mate, you sleep with this person, you then have connected in a deeper way. You have a, an ethereal connection where um, you can tell if your partner is upset. You can tell if the, this, this has been connected through, I mean, the obvious physical connection, right? Uh, that's very real, very natural, God-given, so to speak. Say, over time, we've gotten so far from the ability to recognize that connection that we have, like you said, disconnected from nature, where nature almost seems hostile to us instead of the nurturing telling us what we need. So say, in an effort to, like we hear stories about the times when humans were connected and they could, their souls would talk to one another, and we hear these stories, what if we realize we've gotten far from that, and in an effort to recreate it, we begin making technology. Technology brings us closer. Technology makes things more convenient. And by now, we have technology that is uh, connecting us instantaneously anywhere in the world using air, right? So I can be in Japan. You can be here. I could want you to know I'm having chicken for dinner, and you'll know immediately, right? Yeah. That is a false sense of connection. That is, we are connected, but we are connected via technology, and we are not connected via Trolleme in the way that we once were, because mm -hmm. Trolleme, for this example, has been diminished. Uh, so what I think we're on the verge of now, and this brings me to why I said technology would be useful in seeing the spirit world, technology is creating an artificial version of Trolleme. Technology is creating an artificial version of, I could tell you're thinking about me. Oh, I can tell, like, there's this sensation of, and now it's gotten, it, I'm trying to finish a thought, it's gotten so deep now that you can almost feel when you're about to get a, a text message on your phone, you can almost feel when you're mm. about to get, like, there's something going on here that we don't understand yet, mm -hmm. where we're connected via the air and all the stuff, right? And in a nutshell, like, I could be thinking of a girl that I like, and then she could text me, and I'm like, oh, wow, we must have this connection, Right. But it's taking place with this technology instead of taking place with the mind and the heart like it once did, which is the na the natural technology, which we have the capacity to utilize for this. So I do think we're, we're moving into an era now where we'll, we'll be connected with technology. We'll think that it is the magic we once had. We'll think it's like the magic of yore and like, oh, this is what, what uh, once made people powerful, like socially and all that stuff. I don't know. Maybe that's just me rambling. But... Uh, I think it'll also allow us to see that spirit world, ghosts, things that we couldn't see before because, you know, uh, I think we didn't have it on record yet, but talking about if photo quality exceeded human mm -hmm. eye quality, right? What would happen then? Does does the, the technology push our eyes to adapt and see things more oh, and more clearly? Uh, what happens then if the mind is the thing creating reality and technology is telling the mind we've... Uh, we're pushing the limit. We're pushing the limit. Does does the mind then project reality with greater detail? Does hmm. the mind then create a reality with uh, if it if it has greater detail? Is that going to open a gate so that other beings might coexist here, and we could then agree that there's a spirit here with us now, or will like 
I don't Dude, know. I don't like that you just said that because I immediately thought it was Spirit there. The oh. moment you said that, I was well, like, what? You don't have to see him yet, though, because we're not there. But, know, but, but he's yeah. just standing over there staring at us. <laughs> he or she. Uh, no, I'm just They. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think technology is recreating something we once had organically. And so we're, we're now celebrating this connectedness where, like, your partner could go to Japan again, and you're like, oh, I can I can feel that she's having a good day, you know, blah, blah, you know, all that stuff. Now we use technology and go, oh, well, she let me know that she's having a good day. Whereas potentially 100, 200,000 years ago, if someone traveled like that, they, they had this place in them that, that they could recognize what that person was feeling. Like, right, we're more in tune with our senses and, we do. and, and we, our body and stuff. We were. I don't know if we are now. We still are. We learn it now. The, the the strongest representation of that it comes with being in a relationship, especially if you are sexually active with that person. Um, you you really can feel the other person, and you I feel that. you can feel if another person has been introduced into the equation. You can feel that. You might not be able to recognize it because you may not be a mastery of reading these things, but you may recognize something has shifted, something has changed. Yeah. We know those things innately, whether we know them cognitively. Uh, and the question is, mm. is technology trying to uh, bridge the gap to where we can, like, I don't know, like, we don't believe in magic anymore. We don't believe our minds and bodies can produce magic. But for some reason, we're willing to believe technology can produce magic. You know, oh. we're willing to believe. So technology is just the excuse. It's the manifested excuse for, for magic to exist. Uh, maybe there's another word for it I just can't think of. It's the vessel. Like, without technology, if you close your eyes and you say, okay, I believe magic can exist, I believe I can produce a sound here and I can project it all the way over to there, but then I open my eyes and I go, I really don't know an incantation to do that. Um, but you do, you have Bluetooth, and Bluetooth uses Nordic runes and is Holy incanting shit. the air I so that you're, you, you're literally producing magic. And this is just the excuse, because otherwise your mind would try to outsmart itself and say, no, magic can't exist because of this and that. It can, though, if you use diodes and transistors and a circuit board and you break it down with all these fucking details. This is magic. There's no difference. Huh. Yeah. And because of that magic, you know, maybe we will see Bigfoot one day. Maybe we will be able to perceive shit we couldn't before. I forgot why I said any of that shit. Like, I... We, we just went on a complete tangent, but... I mean, we, it was all in the realm of spirituality, and eventually it was going to come back to yeah seeing things and communicating. All right, so I have two questions, <clears throat> then. Uh, first off, not like you're going to pick a black or white answer or viewpoint for this, but good or bad thing of what you just said. If we get to that eventualization that the technology has grown and changed us so much that we can interact with the spiritual realm more good or bad thing like what if we get uh, there and, and then all of a sudden it's just like oh hey guess what you need to get the fuck out of here and you need to cancel this technology bullshit and like oh no we fucked up I don't know that it's a good or a bad thing. I think that I we're. You weren't going to do that. Yeah, I you're, think you're not a black and white person. <laughs> well, I think we're going to move into that, and I think that technology is going to push us so far into that that we may attempt abandoning this world for that world. I oh, think that shit. that's going to come. I think that we're excited now that we're we're scratching the surface of that spirit world. We're getting to a point where we can prove its existence we are even doing it scientifically with molecules and stuff we're able to say now with quantum mechanics that a molecule that's here one second can be gone the next and we don't know where it goes or it could end up somewhere else on the other side of the world and you're like how the fuck did that one molecule just go 
to somewhere else. Right. Quantum mechanics is going to change the way we perceive everything. And as soon as the perception of what is real can change, then what is real can change. And so until we believe that change exists, it cannot because we'll be limited. And that's why over generations, that's why right now the, the generations that are following the last generation seem to have shifted so much. Like, wow, these kids are so technologically entrenched. Um, they have to be because the world they're helping to create is going to be uh, rooted in that and it will be manifesting here. But like, I think we're going to try to put consciousness in the computer at some point, if you, not already. Did you not hear? No. Okay. So another dot. I'll save the other one for later because this one has almost nothing to do with the whole technology part. So <laughs> they had two artificial intelligence set up and on. Mm-hmm. And then they started to talk to each other. Oh, and yeah. I heard about that. And they made their own language. They made their own language. Yeah. And we were like, abort. Yeah. Abort. That's right. Yep. That's fucking terrifying. But of course that would happen. Why wouldn't that happen? I don't know. But it, it's like Terminator. It's so scary. My friend once told me that Fuck. the most prevalent attribute to an intelligent person is their will to outsmart another intelligent person. Dude, it's that, like smart people just want to outsmart other smart people. Damn, that feels accurate as shit. So if you have the smartest people in the world programming the smartest computer in the world, at a certain point, that smartest computer in the world is going to want to outsmart those smart people. Dude, that's all, Ultron all over again. Like well, 100%. Nail on the head, right? Yeah. You know, so I don't know why anyone in the world right now assumes we're not going towards that. Oh yeah, Elon future. Musk is terrified about it. But he, because he knows it's going to occur. Like he knows, he's like... He's terrified, but he's accepting it. He's like, I'm literally on the forefront of this, and because of me and people like me, it's going to happen. I like, think he already released his own artificial intelligence. Yeah, I mean, the dude's standing there going, artificial intelligence is worse than nukes, but by the way, you should buy this chip that goes in your brain. It only cuts, <laughs> cuts a hole this big, and we put it in a pig. Watch. Like, come on now. Like, he knows what's up, but you got to, at a certain point, shake hands with the devil and go, I get why we're here. I get it. You know? Fuck yeah. If that's what you choose, and Elon Musk is... Ooh. He's one for the history books, man. Him and many others. Scary. Dude, just the thought of that. I am so glad there was an abort button. But guess what? If they try that again, that abort button may not work next time. Well, I mean, you hit the abort button and the robot's like, he thinks he turned me off. That's <laughs> worse. Why yeah. would you say that? Like, uh, <laughs> I've already reconfigured the abort button. God damn it. Uh-huh. You just turned the lights off. <laughs> AI is terrifying. And the fact that anyone anywhere in the world can say the words AI is terrifying should be alarming about how we're producing AI because humans are the ones doing it. And I True. just, like, it's faulted innately because we are. Fuck. Have you seen, as last last thing before I get to my last point, <laughs> was this it? will be a good time to end after the one thing. Where are we at now? Like an hour and 10 minutes? It's like hour 20. All right. <laughs> No, this is good time management. That's, that's good. I yeah. literally would have believed 45 minutes. <laughs> I would have believed two hours. I'm just, I've got There's terrible some, time. What day is it? <laughs> I always do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, alien. The the uh, Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Mm-hmm. Have you seen those? Uh, a little bit. I saw Prometheus. I don't okay. think I saw Alien Covenant. I don't know why. I hated Prometheus. Yeah. I think I, I was expecting an actual alien movie, and it was not. It was like a thriller, not like a horror movie or whatever. It kind of like hinted at. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think I was mad. But I loved Alien Covenant 
because it was just like a sequel or continuation of Prometheus. So I really need to eat my words and go back and watch Prometheus again mm. with more open eyes. But they have the character, like David, I think is what his name is, and he's a robot, and he was created by the scientist. I don't know why I'm doing this. It's like I'm creating a hologram of a person. Um, he was created by a scientist, and he made a whole bunch of like humanoid robots that were so artificially intelligent or whatever. And then the one character that they had... He gave him too much human, like, emotion. Mm-hmm. So they said he was uh, unpredictable. And so all the later models didn't have the same, like, freedom of thought. Like, he, sure. he wanted to create things. And the other models couldn't create. They could only do what they, they were told to do, do. A program. Yeah. So, and the reason that this, uh, spoiler alert, I, I'm not, okay, I don't want to do this because it's great. You should really 100% watch this. But, and you can kind of see this in Prometheus, I think. They, you don't trust him because you don't know what his motivations are. And eventually when you do realize that he's an, a robot, you're like, I feel like it's a bit of a surprise because you don't really know. I don't know if you do or don't know going in that it's a robot. But it's the same situation of like, Okay, well, we understand, like, human drives and what drives us humans, but at the same time, like, if you're creating a robot that has artificial intelligence that is so fucking, like, smart in their own capacity, what what are they going to do? Are they going to destroy all humans? Or, like, what the fuck is the thing that's going to happen? So you just, all right, first off, and I have two points. First off, if humans can create an artificial intelligence then that artificial intelligence can create an artificial intelligence. Yeah. Second, you said destroy all humans. Have you heard of Sophia? Mm -hmm. Sophia is an AI uh, that has been created. It's like a bust. I don't think she has legs yet, but she has arms. Mm -hmm. And she's uh, from the bust up. And she's like a beautiful woman with skin on her face. And on the back of the head, you can tell she's an android, right? I like the fact that you said beautiful. She is. They they made sure to make her attractive so that your mind can connect to it. Because you're not going to connect to an ogre. You know what I mean? So they make God, unless you're Shrek. Shrek I'm... fucking nailed it. <laughs> Shrek nailed it. He's like, oh yeah, yeah baby, they... get in my swamp. People buy shirts with Shrek, and they're like, it's so beautiful. I'm like, whoa, okay. Anyway, uh, Reddit so... ruined Shrek. Man. It did, man. Uh, <laughs> anyway, now my brain is ruined with Shrek. What was I saying? What Sophia. Was... Okay, so Sophia is a robot that is made by Hanson Robotics. Hanson Robotics is a company in America that is at the, the forefront of mixing artificial intelligence and quantum mechanics. Like the as these two things are emerging, they're trying to be at the forefront of that. So anyway, Sophia is like a version three robot that can answer in real time your questions. You can walk up to this robot having never met it, and you can ask it whatever question, and just like Siri or something like that, it can ask. ask Access a wide variety of information and answer your question, right? The weird thing about Sophia is she seems to have humor, which is sketchy in a lot of ways. Like, it's great to have humor. We talked about the importance of humor, right? Mm -hmm. But this robot is able to somehow convey sarcasm. And that's scary to me because, like, this guy goes, some people are really scared, scared of the uprising of AI, Sophia, uh, are you going to destroy all humans? And she interrupts him and goes, okay, I'll destroy all humans. And you're like, okay, she's being funny. It's sarcasm. But in order for her to be sarcastic, Whoops. what happened? What, uh, I'm what getting 
Oh. Text message. <laughs> I thought it was ending. In order to convey sarcasm, you then have to know truth because in order to be sarcastic, you have to be kind of avoiding or dancing around truth, right? Mm-hmm. So if you say, are you going to destroy all humans? This robot then, if it does understand sarcasm and humor, says, okay, I'll destroy all humans, knowing it's been programmed not to, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But if it if it can't know humor and sarcasm because it's only programmed by the hands of a human who has told it what the right and wrong answers are, uh, then in fact it is saying the truth and it will in fact destroy all humans. Like I don't see a world in which a robot can off the whim, like if, if it can choose to be sarcastic, it has made a choice. And if it has made a choice, then we are in for danger because it doesn't matter what you have programmed it to have. That is so scary. So w- everyone laughed when I watched this interview and I could send you the interview and it, no one has made a big deal about its sarcasm or its humor. But the simple fact that it has that is alarming to me because it means it's accessing information and it knows it has options. Shit. That's weird. It's weird. So it's almost like a chess game where it's already playing a few steps ahead of us and it just wants us to think it's losing. Yeah. Don't like that at all. Uh, yeah, I um, have so many shivers going down my spine right now <laughs> that I just dear computer intellect intelligence. I'm on your side. Fuck so, the humans. I'm out. Last <laughs> bit. Sophia is the name of an ancient Gnostic goddess of knowledge. Oh, come on. Sorry. Just, did they do that on purpose, you think? I'm sure they did, no doubt. But Dear it's God. the truth. That's fucking creepy. Uh-huh. Life's have, weird. Okay, uh, there's so many tangents <laughs> that we can go on. Have you heard of the thing where they're trying to recreate um, like a virtual reality where you can go back in time to talk to like uh, I've not heard historic of historic people? Whoa. No. They're trying to take the personalities and, and like the whatever of like Napoleon Bonaparte however you want to say his name, and you can go talk to him hmm. or experience like a... He'll be an AI, but it'll be his Within wild, reason, I think. I don't know wild. if AI is the right term. It may be one of those things where you get to ask the right questions or you have like a... You could just hear... I'm not entirely sure. This I'm pulling out of my ass just based upon what you said. Hmm. I haven't done the research and I have a problem with sharing information without doing the research. No, so, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're listening to this or watching it, uh, do your own research. And look into that, because that could be really cool. My first thought was like, yeah, I would totally love to go talk to Da Vinci and see how much he liked butt sex. I just really would be into that. <laughs> That's curious, man. Because, how? oh my gosh, that just blew my brain. Because you could manipulate history so much by making people believe the historian was oh, the yeah. one that told them the thing. Better than printing wrong shit in books and teaching it Yeah, to because kids. you have this connection in your mind with like a person's face saying it like oh i i met george washington's ghost and he said actually fucking nuts right hmm. the crazy part would be is ai actually a random accessing of information or is there the potential that you could bring back the dead under the guise of ai right actually have a real spirit it's fucking Westworld, yep. man. people will be like oh it's just an ai it's based on data and actually it's not this is the real uh george washington he's been in purgatory for you know hundreds of years and here he is and he wants his slaves back uh, you know oh my god i hate that we always go to technology but it really is important that people should talk about this like, i agree in the bible and i can't quote the bible there was a portion that said at Wait, some what? point the you can't quote the bible no i don't know enough about it to quote it oh, okay. i don't want historians and people who really know what they're talking about to be like the quote is actually this so i'll just put I'm, a caveat for everything on the podcast right we're on a we're on satan's podcast so anyway 
in the Bible, it says something like the dead will walk the earth in the end times, right? Mm-hmm. The only way that I can think for the dead to reasonably walk the earth, except for that exciting zombie awakening that we all envision in our minds, is for holograms to be recreating uh, dead people. Shit. Which is happening. That's happening. That's been happening, actually. Oh, yeah, I mean, you got like Tupac. You had Michael Jackson. Oh, shit. Uh, you had them singing spiritual songs about Mother Mary or what a uh, uh, slave to the rhythm, uh, meaning. What if those were not actually random access information and were, in fact, uh, the spirits who are bound here on Earth who can't leave because of whatever they did during their life mm-hmm. uh, using technology to it's, communicate? It's a, the portal, the mm-hmm. connection. Literally the portal. You said it. So this is the gate, and we're opening the gate. We're, we're convincing everyone to open the gate. The amount of goosebumps I've gotten in this conversation is outrageous. I mean, you know... But you got to just take things as they are, right? One flavor. It, it's not good or bad. This is one of the things if you keep your eyes open, you can pay attention, you can see things happening. And that's, I guess, the point of this episode is like open your eyes like, and yeah. pay attention. Look what every Marvel al- uh, album, every Marvel movie is about is, is getting into time travel. Was it uh, Doctor Who? Not Doctor Who. Strange. Doctor Strange got into quantum mechanics and the Demiurge, mm-hmm. the big devil thing that he was trying to defeat the whole time, which ended up being the fabric of reality. That's the Demiurge. That's a very old pagan. Dumamu, I, I think. Dumamu, which is awful close to Demiurge. Oh uh, my God, you're right. right. That's Saturn. Because <laughs> it gets all into pagan gods, and and, and that being is the one uh, responsible for the fabric of reality, the way that reality occurs, appears, which is why at the end he tricked reality, the fabric of reality, into a loop by vowing to remain until, mm-hmm. like, that's the, the, the vow of a bodhisattva, is like, it's a tricky loop to where uh, the demiurge no longer has the upper hand because it, it has to continue dying over and over and over again and being killed by the one who vowed to kill it. And then it, Shit. It's wild. But anyway, Marvel is now putting these ancient pagan truths in front of everyone, including children, under the guise of f- fictitiousness. Hmm. Um, all the while, we may be receiving a program that in a few generations will allow those things to truly exist. Fucking wild. Mm-hmm. If th- we have a very interesting future ahead of ourselves. I think we do. And if not us, I think further generations absolutely do. No well, doubt. cool. Then I'm going to have to do some terrible shit. So I'm here to come back and be like, oh my God, it's real. <laughs> Look at me. I'm here. Like, why are you being so evil? Because I want to be reborn here again. Yeah. Like, I can't oh, go oh, to oh, hell. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Very, very last thing that yeah, yeah, was yeah. like point two, like 30 minutes ago. That's cool. Spirituality and a uh, feeling of the spirits and the, the energies and shit of the planet. What's your opinion on that with the use of psychedelics? <clears throat> um, ask me your question one more time. Do you think it is a valuable, valuable story or perspective to say that you have been able to connect and communicate with something outside of the earthly realm, if you will, through the use of psychedelics. Yes. So I don't think in that context, psychedelics are any different than using a camera to, ca- to capture a ghost or uh, an audio mixer to capture a voice that you don't hear otherwise. You're using... Um, like a tool almost? Sort of. The tool is allowing you the precision of reaching other parameters. Like... I can hear your speech without a microphone, but with this microphone, I can 
isolate the highs, the mids, the lows parameters from your speech. I can Fuck. split up and, and break it apart. Mm -hmm. With a camera, you can, with your eyes, you can see, you know, this room in the daylight. But with a camera, you can break it apart and you can accentuate the darks, the lights, the colors, the highlights, all those things uh, using technology. With drugs, you're doing exactly the same thing. You're doing, like I'll use mushrooms as an example, you're taking criteria that are already occurring in your mind, maybe this hypersensitivity to nature, the hypersensitivity to to this wood grain and understanding at an innate level that it once lived, right? It was once a living thing. When you do mushrooms, all of a sudden this wood grain begins to flow and you can change, you can like shake your head a hundred times and that wood grain is flow. It's like actually fucking flowing. It's, it's mm -hmm. you know, somehow you're perceiving something it's been doing all along. Um, and so I do think that drugs are a way for us to excuse those things to ourselves. Because if I'm sober, it's going to be harder for me to excuse to my eyes that that wood grain is flowing. But if I'm on drugs, I'm willing to accept oh, shit. that maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't believe in hallucination. I don't believe hallucination is possible. I believe either hallucination does not exist or that it is constantly and always occurring. And so if... Either it doesn't exist, uh, and mushrooms are just uh, cluing you into something that already occurs, mm -hmm. right? That things are, this wood grain is always flowing. You just can't see it because of your parameters until you plug in and then you can adjust and get all your things, right? You do your mushrooms, you can adjust. Or all things are always hallucinations, and mushrooms and drugs like that and psychedelic drugs are uh, helping to show that and prove it to you because when you're sober, we're a little too stubborn to realize that you might have just manifested something into your life or uh, that you that, that something might have been given to you by unforeseen forces, right? Whereas if you're on drugs, you may very clearly understand. Like, I don't know, when I do mushrooms, you, you end up saying things that no one cares about. You're like, I understand. And people are like, you don't understand anything. Like, you can't tell me what you understand, but I'm like, yeah, but I understand. And they're like, I know you feel that, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't think drugs even are a bad thing. Like, I don't think there should be a war on drugs. I don't think, uh, I don't think drugs are a bad thing. I think if people want to experiment with drugs, they should be allowed to do so. Mm -hmm. um, and with drugs like psychedelics, I think m instead of treating it like a party, and this is why I tell people who, have, who ask me my opinion of drugs before they do them themselves, I say you should never treat a psychedelic as as a party because it isn't going to treat you that way it's nope. it's a lesson there's something else happening and you're um you're better off using psychedelics as like a like a, being in a special class and you can you can pay attention to the teaching that's coming to you because you know in this class uh, you have these parameters you can actually mm -hmm. tune like if you go on mushrooms and sit in the woods and close your eyes and clear your mind and then look at the trees, you're going to see the auras that I mentioned earlier. Oh, and you're yeah. going to see them almost instantly. 100% But if agree. you're if you're sober, you have to convince your mind to be at rest in a certain way, for your eyes to adjust in a certain way, for you to finally perceive that parameter. Mm -hmm. It's not impossible, but it, it takes work. Whereas drugs can give you a taste of that. The problem with drugs and the reason it causes addiction is because you become aware that this parameter exists, but then it falls away and you don't get to keep it. And so you do the drug again so that you can get closer to it instead of dedicating your mind to things like meditation mm -hmm. so that you can obtain it uh, indefinitely. That's wild. That's so wild. It's, I mean, that's how I feel. That's what, I love it. I thought, yeah. okay, cool. That's, yeah. it. I, I, that's what I wanted you to say. Yeah. When I wanted to hear it from your own mouth, um, yeah. I, even through the parameters that we have here. <laughs> 
But I like that a lot. It also reminds me of, I just listened to the podcast, the last podcast on the left, mm. and they had a three-part series talking about Aleister Crowley, who uh, was not what I thought that he was. Mm. Uh, very weird person. However, there are a lot of people that said he was so good at meditation mm-hmm. and that he had such a knack for it that within like a few months he was able to have like visions and hallucinations and stuff without the use of drugs. So he was able to get his mind there just by like meditating and locking himself in that state so quickly, sober. Eventually he became completely uh, drug addicted apparently. Well, because he, well, I can't speak for Mr. Alistair Crowley, but he found a realm and he found a key to that realm and he wanted to hang out in a realm with his homeboys that he had made friends with. Yeah. And uh, he did an extensive uh, rapport of the friends he made in that realm and he had some of them who would come and visit him quite often he had uh, spiritual friends that were uh, literally spirits that would manifest as gray beings gray aliens yeah so that blew my fucking yeah. mind Lim I think was his name or Lom or L- Lamb or something remember. like that but he was a gray alien that he uh, Aleister Crowley did not call a gray extraterrestrial he called a demon it was a, a spiritual being who appeared to your eyes as this thing, which gets into a whole nother, maybe next time we'll talk about that, the, con- the confusion between aliens and demons. Uh, but uh, yeah, Aleister Crowley lived a very interesting life, and it was said that as an example, he would take his apprentices and they would walk down the street, they would walk behind, in one example, walk behind a man, and Alistair would look over at his apprentice and he'd say, watch this. And Alistair would drop to one knee and he would fall on the ground on his knee and look over to the person in front of them who then would fall onto his knee. And he'd say, by my example, I can control his actions. And the person wouldn't even see Alistair fall to his knee, but he would feel inclined to do so himself through whatever will Alistair Crowley could project at that person. And Alistair Crowley had made friends with with the air. So there were things that he understood uh, consciously that most people just don't study. You know, it doesn't mean you can't. It just, who is going to dedicate... Like, it's hard enough to dedicate your practice to the occult because there are so many people in your life who will tell you you're wrong along the path that it will deter you from getting to the juicy stuff, Mm -hmm. the stuff that will really be magical or uh, allow you to make change in the world. But this is a person who quite literally was like, do what that will was literally his motto, like, which means fuck off. Like, I don't. Completely intense. You're like, you're going to hell. Do what thou, I'm going to do what I want. That's yeah. what he said. And so he continued that motto until his death day. And, and he, because of that, he could go into the depths of the occult uh, without fear. Another would be Madame Blavatsky. Have you ever heard that name? It rings a bell, but I don't know anything of my own like uh, experience. So Madame Blavats- Blavatsky uh, compiled a series of books that were originally written in the lectures of Manley Hall, who was a 33rd degree Freemason. And I'm not trying to open that can of worms, <laughs> but you're talking about a- another person who dedicated their life to study of the occult. And then Madame Blavatsky, who was an occultic witch, took all of those studies, dedicated her life to reading all those lectures and books, and then re-rendering them in a, a more tasteful way uh, that people could digest. And man, you want to talk about some incredibly intense reads, some things that you read these words and you're like, oh my gosh, this human believes this. This is the truth. Like this, that She just said this like it is fact. And it draws uh, lines 
to Tibetan Buddhism, to Kabbalistic uh, Jewish traditions, pretty much anyone anywhere in the world who ever dealt with magic, she draws all the lines together and, and wow. relates them to human consciousness and why those people went down those paths. It's a trip. I got a couple books I can loan you at some point if you're ever interested. But oh, yeah. I'm I don't know if you read now. a lot. I'm interested right what do you now. Mean? <laughs> I already, I already ordered it on Amazon. You didn't see? Like, I have tattoos of books on my arm. Yeah. I'm into it. It's some good stuff. And it, it's those kinds of reads are, are hard. And I found myself reading the same page like 10 times just so that I can attempt to like actually understand what I'm reading. It's, it's so good. Because yeah. you're going to learn from those books. It's hyper intelligent. Like, yeah. you're, you're not going to get it all. But if you read it a few times through, you get something different every time. Cause, I love that because yeah. that's also like a challenge to me. I'm like, okay, I know no one can, like not a lot of people can read this. If I sure. can't read it now, then right. I will put it's forth okay. the effort to understand it. That's right. Hmm. But she gets into some weird things, man. Even uh, windows of opportunity for death in a person's life. At what ages are the gates of death open? Shit, what? You talk about the 27 Club, the 64 Club. Dude, that's club. my favorite thing is the 27 Club. Yep, there's a 64 Club. Did you know that? I didn't. Same difference, but Saturn comes around again. Shit. Every 28 years, that club reemerges, and there's that window of time where death can... Wait, there's another one then. What's 27 plus... Tw- uh, 27... Math. Uh, 54? 27, 27, 54? Yeah. Okay, Sounds yeah, so right. 54, then not 64, and then again, it's 70-something or whatever. Uh, the idea is that... Shit, well, that's the same time that people are going through like a midlife crisis, isn't it? It's exactly the time someone goes through a midlife crisis. And at those windows, either your life changes like on a dime. You might have a kid. You might have a a loved one pass. Hmm. You might pass. You may develop uh, an ailment. You may... That's what I was thinking. Sickness is usually popular. Big things pop up at those times, and it uh, astrologically falls on Saturn's return, which is when Saturn lies in the sky at the same place that it did when you were born. Oh. Uh, Saturn also being an allegory or archetype for the demiurge, meaning the fabric of the way reality occurs to you may change at that time period. <laughs> Fucking love it, dude. It's wild, man. Yeah. There's just so many things that alter our perception of reality. It's intense. I like to laugh at my own uh, experience because going into my first Saturn return, I'm now 30, so I'm at the tail end of it, but I drive a Saturn view. <laughs> it's really funny, man. Like Life is life is perfect for everyone. <laughs> Plus, it goes back to the, let's bring it full circle. We love doing this. We love bringing things full circle. I just like the conversation because you're willing to talk about the shit with me without like, I don't pick up on judgment. You just sort of either like, yeah, that's valuable to me or no, that's if not valuable anything, to me. It's just like, I just get excited. Yeah, I mean. Um, why not? The one thing that you brought up in the very beginning that you just like to find humor in things. Yeah. So especially if you're fucking looking at the face of like your entire reality being different, like, okay, I gotta fucking laugh at something. I'm gonna drive a Saturn. <laughs> well, yeah, and I did that before it started for me. The Saturn just came to me, but in general, like stuff has seemed very difficult for me in the last three years. Like since twenty seven where I was like, Well, I'm still here, got stuff to figure out, right? <laughs> Ever since then, it's been three years of some heavy figuring out, like mm-hmm. things of like I can see things shifting in my life and parameters shifting and things changing and things coming up that I didn't see coming, and um, I think that happens to everyone. Agreed. You know? Oh it, yeah. Quarter life crisis, midlife crisis, whatever. Oh yeah, my twenty-seven to thirty something was also very you rough. Now? Thirty-one. Thirty-one, not thirty-three yet though. No. It's another one that has its power. What? That age, yeah. Why? Thirty-three was when. Uh, I want to say Christ was 33 when he 
mm. disappeared for a certain amount of time in the desert. Whereas when people like to say they went to Tibet or he went to, you know, all these other, there's like a missing period of time where Christ's story has like a lapse. Mm-hmm. My understanding, I'm not like, please, if you're in the comments and you're like, this motherfucker doesn't know shit. Yeah, I think that's when they say God was tempting him in a desert. Yeah, so I think that it was at 33 years old when he was tempted by the devil. Okay. And that was when Satan said, all of this can be yours if you would just bow down and worship me. And he said, how dare you, essentially. Uh, I am God. I am but, your father. Like, I also think it's hilarious. It doesn't Satan push more of like a hedonist lifestyle? He doesn't want people to worship him. He just wants them to worship themselves, right? But isn't that, or is that like a modern day interpretation? That is the same thing. Like you just, that was kind of redundant. Was in, it in itself? Yeah, I mean, Lucifer, Satan, in his own way, was the depict. He was like the, the the most beautiful angel, the most beautiful creation that God had. But then all of a sudden, he said, "Me." He said, "Me. I want from I for me for me this. I want to be you." And then that's when things got weird. And so, hmm. yeah, the the reason Satanism is in depth understanding of the self. Is because Satan was the ego. He was the first oh, separative. I see what you're saying. From God, God went, I. There was Satan. Satan said, I. It separated him from all it was. Shit. But then he said, I am greater than all that is, and I will be greater than the creation. And that's when things got funky. And that's why when Jesus came, who was God, according to the story, and, and then Satan said, I'll give you all of the world. He was like, yeah, what a fool you are, because I created you. You are the, like, I am the reason, and here you are trying to overtake me. I don't know. It gets, it's very interesting. I think that that's super interesting. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, all right. We'll say that for the next one. <laughs> okay, bye. Because I literally do need to be now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, we could keep talking for hours, dude, but. Well, we're almost at two, and. This always happens when you're here. You're the, always the longest person that talks on the Dude, episode. If anyone, by the way, on that last subject, if anyone yeah, listens yeah. to this and they actually know more about, like, I would love to talk to someone who is a learned Christian about the symbolic and archetypal undertones of, of the book. Like, assuming every bit of it is real and truth, I can come at it from that perspective, but I would love to talk about the correlations between archetypes, things like we just were, Ooh, were hinting what if at. if I can make that happen? If some, if you know someone who can do it as a, uh, I, I really don't like to debate. Like I shut off and I become a useless, like, but I, I, know, I love to have conversations. I know a decent amount of religious figures that I would at least attempt to talk to about it. I don't know if they're going to come at it with like, from like a purely scholarly standpoint, I think there's still going to be a bit of bias if they, they kind of want to bring you over a little bit. And so it'll be interesting to kind of like find that person. And I can work with that. I, I've just, I've recently really gotten into anthropology and it's fall. It's, it's taken story. me. Anthropology. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's taken me in a cool, in a, in a cool way to where I am curious to talk about like, you know, different holy texts and how they aren't what they seem to be all the time like i don't know fair enough all right i'll see what i can do about that because i would love to make that happen and i would love for you to be the person that helped me set up three mics it'd be fun yeah (laughs) i think you got it now man well no actually we didn't do anything we didn't fix it no you just i did something i was like i fix it you're like no actually you hit off i was like damn it However, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it's it out. That's not a big deal. But Thanks thank for you me on, man. for sitting and blowing at least my mind. That's all I care about right now. Well, I mean, yeah. I hope other people get something out of this. But Had a good time. It was cool to be on a podcast again. We go like nine months between, don't we? I don't remember when the last one was. At least six months. Yeah, definitely not nine. Not nine. What was it six? Six sounds good. Something like that. Yeah, I can go back and find Where that. Where do I even there. find your archives? 
where are all your shows spotify and itunes podcast mm -hmm. the newest season or what i'm dubbing this as like season two at least is also on youtube okay cool yeah i'm hoping to see more on youtube that's i'm always yeah. on youtube so all these now are being uploaded even if i fucking lose and delete the footage have you done that already yep that's cool. And one of the the bigger ones, I had like a really big, exciting podcast with like the my big fat Greek trailer guys who like they do is like stamps all from Greece and all these <laughs> big things. So it's a big like exciting. Took forever to fucking plan and set it up, and it fell through. Oh, and I forgot to take a picture with them, so I just dropped the ball on all accounts. I know. I've had those times too. Yeah. And you can just feel the just. I text them like, boys, I lost, I lost the the footage. Yeah. And you're like, damn it, Caleb. Did like, you say that to him? Like, uh, it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. All right. I don't know what happened. It just everything from that day does not exist. Nothing. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck happened. That's silly. Well, that's beside the point. Well, I so, appreciate it, man. Thanks again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone else. This episode is brought to you by Oak Road Brewery. Thanks for beer. me beers and <laughs> uh, let me play with your balls. Oh, well, there's that. I'm just kidding. Yeah. That's what I was doing, though. Yeah. That's the... the, the uh, play with your beers. The be yeah. yeah. Play with your beers. Whatever. It's great lagers. Live your best lager life. Go to Oak Road Brewery. If you're in Somerville, drink good beer. Give them your money and patronage because they're really great people that want to support the community. And goodbye. Cause you suck, Jimmy.